1: To the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell and joining me once again, making his, I think, season debut, but he's been on many, many times. It's Manuel Veith of the Transfer of Transfer Mark, excuse me, and the, uh, the Gagan Pressing Podcast. There it is. I'm all over the place in this introduction. Manuel, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm all over the place and yet you're the one who's in uh, a different country in a different time zone. You're handling things well.
2: Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I meant I'm home. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah right? <laughs> Tyler. Uh, yeah. It's been uh, a crazy trip today. I just arrived in Frankfurt for the, um, yeah, for Bundesliga trip. We, we um, here for the buildup of the um, NFL Germany games or Frankfurt games, I guess they're called. Um so you know you might wonder what that has that to do with Bundesliga football. Um, there's there's quite a lot of cooperation between the Bundesliga and NFL. So you know there's obviously quite a lot of media events around that. And then um, on Saturday is the Clásica between Dortmund and Bayern. Um, usually that would be first or second or some sort of re- re- yeah. <laughs> some form of first or second. Um, but it's not. It's third against fifth. I have to actually check the table. I know that neither one of them are anywhere near the, the first place. Yeah, it's second against fourth. There you go. Um with Leverkusen of course being first and um Stuttgart being third. Um Leverkusen are gonna love the Classica this year because they're gonna they're gonna watch <laughs> yeah. the teams behind them taking points <laughs> off each other. Um regardless, it should be really interesting. So um I'm going to be at the Classica as well. And yeah. It's been a whirlwind trip. I'm already going back on Monday. So, <laughs> uh,
1: I want to ask about the Klassiker, obviously, but I actually yeah. want to start with the NFL games. What sort of <laughs> interest is there? Because there have been games in Germany before. Yeah. There will be more games there. Is there like a fandom in Germany or is it more mm-hmm. of a curiosity when people are going to these games?
2: So, no, there is a huge fandom here. Okay. Um, it's a really fast-growing sport. Um, I mean, funnily enough the uh, seattle seahawks are uh, one of the most popular teams in germany really don't ask me why i <laughs> just know my buddy who has season tickets for the seahawks absolutely loves it um you know for those who listen to me for the first time i live on vancouver island which is nestled right above seattle so uh, one of my best friends has season tickets for the seahawks and i go several times a season in fact i'm actually going oh man uh 2 weeks from now. I'm going 2 weeks from now um, against the 49ers so um and he always points out that the Seahawks are Germany's most popular team. I think it had something to do with their sport kicking off during the time when they won their Super Bowl. Okay. Um, that would rem- make sense. remind me I was I know they missed first an opportunity to win it with like a ridiculous play um, and then they won it I think the year after or 2 years after that. Anyways, during that period, NFL started kicking off, and I think that's where the fandom comes from. And then um, there's quite a lot of strong connections between Seattle and Germany as well, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the logo helps to... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, logo, I mean, the logo gets them? I I, I don't know. I, I mean, the Seahawks are kind of my team because they're okay. literally right in front of <laughs> that, that one of sense. my – For me, it makes sense because I grew up – um partly grew up on Vancouver Island. So guess what we we're watching? We we're watching the Seahawks. They had a team on TV there, right? Like Because they're right there. That's, um,
1: that, that's fair
2: that's fair but in uh, Germany exactly it's still, I don't it's still... understand it well, <laughs> yeah it's it's very more confusing because you would think it would be someone like the 49ers were really historic right or like I don't know uh one of the new york teams um I mean the chiefs are quite popular that's why they're here right um the New England patriots I mean they are also here they, they would make a ton of sense because they had such a such a long time where they won so many titles um but yeah it's the seahawks apparently sell the most (laughs) merchandise in germany which is so strange yeah i've learned new things today do you feel like is it
1: is do you you feel like broadly speaking people who are into the nfl in germany Mm. are they also into football not american football uh or is it sort of like it is a sport for people who aren't as into uh european football
2: it's a really good question um uh, maybe that's something i need to ask the chief marketing officers of the kansas kansas city chiefs i've got to talk uh to her um tomorrow um i think that there is an overlapping demographic i mean like it is the case in the united states where people have like a premier league team and still are into american football right The the time zones don't really overlap right yeah. um, and um, I think there is Sat 1, which is a television station here they did a really good job um, showing the games for free so there was almost this like hardcore following that would stay up in the middle of the night and watch American football, because Uh I I think most games here are started like midnight. Uh It's not as convenient as it is for us when we live in North America. You just get up early in the morning, you watch your soccer, you do all your normal people stuff, and then you turn on, you know, your NFL game. Or like, I watch a lot of hockey, right? So like, when I'm done with all my football stuff, I'm like, I open a can of beer and I turn on a hockey game, right? (laughs) Um, I'm not sure how Germans do it, but at the same time, I mean the time zones don't overlap. I could just imagine them being so tired in the morning. Imagine like you're staying up till like three or four o'clock in the morning to watch an American football game. And do you think those like that that sport is a commitment? Like yeah. Game team like four hours. Like (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With a lot
1: of commercials in there. I feel like yeah, you could you could doze off during commercials and come back in for the game. All right. Well, I'm excited for you to to get to watch some uh, American football, but obviously, I'm I'm excited for you to get to go to uh, their classicer, mm-hmm. as you said, second versus fourth. Not usually what we're getting when it comes yeah. to Bayern versus Dortmund. Is it fair to say that Bayern have the more pressure, given that they are not top of the table?
2: I mean, yes. Although Thomas Tuchel said this week that uh, even though the, the game is in Dortmund, which puts the pressure on them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're both kind of offloading the pressure onto one another um which makes me think this this has a draw like this screams like it's going to be a draw um we have the big preview show on game pressing um later this week um and you know i already jokingly said to stefan last week look this is going to be this has a 1-1 one, one draw written all over it um The one thing that makes me think that it's not a 1-1 draw is that neither team has the ability to defend at the moment. Um, Dortmund come off a 3-3 draw against um, Frankfurt, which was a highly entertaining game. Bayern, in the meantime, beat Darmstadt uh, 8-0. But there were three red cards in that game, including one to Joshua Kimmich. um, And, you know, he has been... They're pretty much... I don't want to say he's a number six because Thomas Tuchel refuses to call him a number six. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he is their only real... Well, he's the only defensive midfielder. So they're going into this game with enormous issues in defense uh, without Joshua Kimmich. Um, I think their attack is probably the best in Europe. But, you know, once you go beyond Harry Kane, Jama Musiala, Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman, um, etc., you know the defensive line has been found out quite a bit already this year, so maybe a one-one draw is uh, not not the right result here. So you know maybe it's going to be a two-two or three-three or three-two or something crazy like that. But yeah, I think the the pressure is really on both sides because you know there's other teams in the league right now that are sort of running away with it, and then there's teams from below them like Leipzig pushing right. If they both drop points, then then Leipzig will be quite happy to say, "Oh, I, I, we were waiting for you to do this." So, I think the pressure is really on both teams here.
1: I'm surprised. to you talk about Bayern's defensive deficiencies? Because I think they have the joint fewest goals conceded. What's the issue there? What are you seeing that that has you questioning that defense?
2: It's not just the defense. I'm also, you know, I'm I'm worried about their right back position. Um, I'm worried about, you know, midfield is very thin. Um, they had an absolute disaster deadline day, right? Where they sold Gravenberg to Liverpool um, and they sold Benjamin Pavard to Inter uh, Milan. I almost said Inter Miami. That would have been wrong. <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> See, that's why they tried to sue, right? Yeah, there. that's you why they tried to sue because it, because yeah. it happens all the time. <laughs> um But, you know, um they didn't show how Polinia that transfer fell through in spectacular fashion, right? Um, at the very last moment, because Fulham couldn't find a replacement or didn't really want to find a replacement. And um, then they weren't able to secure a right back either. So, you know, that that defense is very thin. And yeah, you're right. Their defense does look good. But both Leipzig and Leverkusen um, took points of them already, right? and uh, Leverkusen in particular came back twice from being a goal down. And I think the goals against looks good because they haven't really faced many big teams in the Bundesliga yet, right? Dortmund being the third. And the, the teams that they have faced, I mean, I was at the the Super Cup where Leipzig absolutely demolished them in the, in the transition game. You know, Bayern had all that possession that they, they had seemingly Leipzig on the back foot and whenever Leipzig did win the ball and move the ball quickly forward, Bayern were swimming. And, you know, I think that is something that against a good team could really hurt them. Um, so I think part, the reason why we're only seeing a seven against is because they haven't really played that many big teams yet. What do you think the solution is for them at right back?
1: They've had Masrawi there, they've had Limer. Is mm. it a January signing? Is it yeah. somebody being promoted from the academy?
2: This, they, they're going to sign someone. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to sign a number six as well. Um, Oli Hoeneß said that this week. Oli Hoeneß is, of course, the all powerful former president, manager, etc. Right. And, um, he said Thomas Tuchel will, will, will give him everything that's necessary. Um, so I, my guess is that in January, they're going to spend the money that they already had earmarked for João Pellinia, which was 65 million euros. At the time. Hmm. So, you know, I think for 65 million euros, you should be able to get a good number six.
1: Is there any, like, soothing of anxiety with Manuel Neuer back? How has he been received?
2: I mean, we don't know, right? Because, like, he comes back and...
1: (laughs) It's such a weird (laughs) game this weekend.
2: (laughs) It was such a... I kind of enjoyed it because, like, there was these three red cards in the first half and then it was just absolute mayhem in the second half because it's, you know when you watch a hockey game and it's three against four yeah. and there's so much space and like you just know something silly is going to happen. Well, that's kind of what that was like for a full 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like really hard to judge a game that is so weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Where the, where like one team, like you say like, yeah, they really only, there's only one player less on the field, but if you only have nine players on the field, there's so much space. Yep. I mean, Harry Kane's, I actually wrote an entire Substack newsletter on the Harry Kane goal this week, which is going to come out later this week. And, um, it's just such, it was such an incredible strike, but that will never ever happen if Darmstadt have 11 players on the field. Cause you look at where they all yep. are and you look at how much space there is. It's just the game just changes so much when, when two players are gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's why the goalkeeper is sort of far off of his line yeah. as well in that moment because he's trying to close the gap. But credit to Harry Kane who who spots the opportunity. Harry still got to hit it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And now has what 12 in nine Bundesliga games? I think yeah. uh, a pretty a pretty good start. We expected a good start to Harry Kane. I'm not sure I expected it to go this well. Has he been a, a pretty key performer for them? Has he been a difference maker for them this season?
2: I think he's worth the, the 100 million euros that they paid for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was in Munich when, when this entire transfer saga went down and man, oh, what a story that was. And then, of course, when he finally arrived and he, he arrives at this airport and it's, uh, pandemonium in the streets, right? Like, I think we haven't seen anything like, I think English football hasn't seen anything like this since Beckham moved to Real Madrid, you know. I, Probably like you, you probably also watched the Netflix documentary, and it was yep. like kind of like this like refresher of what happened when he moved to Madrid. Kind of felt like that in Munich as well. It was just just kind of crazy. And look, he's been worth every penny. Um, he's he's made players around him better. Leroy Sané, um, I've written quite a bit about Leroy Sané already this season. He's playing his best football for Bayern Munich um, since he's been signed, right? Mm-hmm. And. I think that is to a large part due to Harry Kane and the space that he opens up for him, and also just the his ability to to make players around him better is almost worth more than the goals he scores, right? Whether it's Jamal Musiala, I think, who benefits quite a bit in his development from playing with Harry Kane, whether it's Leroy Sané, who who's looking like the best version of himself, um, you know, maybe since the Schalke days, so that first season in Man City where he was also outstanding, right? So I think you know it's not just the goals that he's scoring; that's a given. Bayern uh, knew that that was going to happen, but I think it's also the the way he has improved players around him that that makes him worth literally every cent. Have
1: Have you gotten a sense of how he's doing with that transition to Germany? Since you mentioned the Beckham documentary, it mm. was obviously a big issue for him going to madrid moving his family kane has the family i believe he's mm-hmm. currently still living in a hotel uh, yeah. how do you feel like the kind of cultural assimilation is going
2: i think that's maybe the one difference is that um the city of munich leaves the bayern players alone hmm. you know they, like, they welcome them when they arrive but once they're there they're kind of left alone um and i also sense that Kane kind of really enjoys his time here he's handled the the whole fact that after the game when you when you leave the 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 stadium that the fans are right there right you've been to German football games and you know what it is like it's a very open atmosphere like you know the, the the fans can literally touch the players you know and um and I think he's from what I've seen, um, I was really impressed in his first few games when he played his first away game at uh, Werder Bremen, where he stopped and took photos with all the fans. And, you know, there was still a lot of respect from the fans towards him as well. And I I, th- I think, you know, just watching him here, um, you get the sense that he's really enjoying it. Um, you know, one of my close friends was actually on this trip, um, um, Sepp Stafford Bloor from The Athletic. Um, huge Tottenham fan covered Tottenham um, you know as a beat writer and now is um, here located here in Germany Um, we covered the um, Kane transfer for respective outlets right and yeah he was really he mentioned that um, he actually thinks that he would do quite well and that he would his personality would be a really great fit at the time and Sepp was absolutely spot on you know it, it, it really seems like a good fit because I think Harry Kane is not a Beckham kind of star off the field. You know, he is just very grounded. And I think the Germans kind of appreciate that. Much more still to come
1: from my conversation with Manuel Veith, but first a word from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime Day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Rexum. Thank you very much to everybody for sponsoring today's episode and to you, fine listeners, for listening to those sponsors. Now back to Manuel. So it's been a strong start for Harry Kane, somewhat less Mm. of a strong start for Bayern Munich overall, but a very, very good start for Bayer Leverkusen, top of the table. Manuel, I'm not used to this. I'm used to Bayer Leverkusen in their second to seventh sort of range, (laughs) then top of the table. I know, I feel like I should be shushing myself because I have been a a strong proponent of Xabi Alonso at Bayer Leverkusen. I've enjoyed everything I've seen from them this season. I'm I'm assuming that goes for you as well. Have they been a sort of breath of fresh air for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I was really lucky that I was with Leverkusen in St. Louis when they opened the stadium there, Um, you know, and I got to see Xabi Alonso work with this team firsthand. This was, of course, the early stages um, of his time with the club, but you could really tell that, you could really you know when they're in a training camp environment mm-hmm. you you and you have that sort of access you you can see how they work with players and um i thought it was quite impressive at the time and i i interviewed Florian Wirtz at the time as well and he gave a really strong impression that he really really enjoyed working with Javi Alonso um and in you know the relationship you can see it after every match they're like arm in arm and they're, they're chatting to one another so You know, he's a man who's won everything. Literally, you know, there's not a title that he hasn't won. He's played for um, the biggest teams in European football. He's played for Liverpool in England. He's played for Real Madrid in Spain. He's played for Bayern Munich in Germany. How do you even top that, right? It's very difficult to top. And so, you know, he walked into this dressing room and is like, hi, I'm Javi Alonso. And the players are like, we know you. <laughs> yeah. Like, tell us how to be better. <laughs> tell us how to be you. Um, and, you know, he played a style of football that was very cultivated. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of similar to the early days of Pep Guardiola. Obviously, Pep did it at Barcelona, a much, much more difficult environment. Um I think that Leverkusen is more like a biotope. It's kind of like a lab, right? You get to experiment there. Um, it's quiet. People leave you alone because it's kind of quietly nestled between Köln and Düsseldorf, which are very loud and shrill places. And Leverkusen is kind of this this uh company town where you can play beautiful football. And if it goes wrong, no one is really going to bother you, right? So... Um it's it's something that has worked in favor for them. It also has worked negatively, right? Because, you know, um they have they're famous for giving away titles. I mean Fitzekusen in German, Neverkusen in English. Um but you know, I'm kind of I look at the table in the Premier League right now and I see Tottenham up on top of the table and I look at the Bundesliga table and I see Leverkusen. It kind of feels like an alternative universe. And if it really does finish like that, maybe the end is truly here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's take it into
1: a a more... Not pessimistic, but maybe not optimistic. No, what could be the problem for Leverkusen? What could cause them to slip up? Where are they thin? Where do they need to reinforce? What issues do you potentially see?
2: See, I don't, I don't actually see. They have, I don't see any weaknesses. Um, hmm. Simon Rolfus is.
1: Oh man, that makes me so uncomfortable to say about. I know, name. but like that's why they're going to
2: ultimately muck it up, right? Um,
1: <laughs> oh no!
2: Oh no! Uh, um, no, I mean it was. It, it, that's another interesting thing. I, I was with Dortmund in the. US um, this summer and uh, Sebastian Kiel actually mentioned to us reporters there and then um, that he thinks that Leverkusen had the best transfer window of all Bundesliga teams and we're kind of like yeah but it's Leverkusen right Um, (laughs) kind of like laughing about it and like but you know when people within the industry know then you know that you had that they have done something right and you look at what they have done now and this was before they signed uh Talis from southampton right adding another piece and this was before they signed um uh jonas hoffman as well um you know they added so much depth to this team um it seems like every position is two or three players deep uh granite shaka has been an incredible signing they i mean they signed granite shaka we really are living in a bizarre world. When, no, when I mean we do because yeah. they signed Granit Xhaka at a time when Arsenal China tried to get rid of him, right? And then he played this amazing season for Arsenal. And Arsenal like, well, are you sure? <laughs> 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 and then if he was already committed, like he had to go, right? Like, but I mean, he was he's been such an incredible signing for them, and I'm not sure if. If Leverkusen do this three or four months later, they probably won't get Granit Xhaka, right? Because Arsenal will want to keep him. And um, I think that's been an incredibly good signing. But you have to remember, he plays to a World Cup winner in Palacios, right? Um, There's Victor Boniface, who they signed for 20 million uh, euros from Union saint Um He's been a- an insanely good player, um, Florian Wirtz is, together with Jamal Musiala, the biggest talent in German football. Um, and he's now fit again, right? In in defense, they have a bunch of players that everyone in, in European football wants to sign. Mm-hmm. You know, Kosenu, Tabsoba, Jonathan Tarr is regaining his form. Um, I think the one weakness that we've spotted and we've been talking about uh, on our show quite a bit is the goalkeeper. Hmm. but even he's playing good you know like um i've met radezky a couple of times he's a super nice guy great character the problem is his, his box control and his um his feet have always been a bit dodgy but he, even he's playing a good style of football at the moment so you know um if i would identify a weakness it would be the goalkeeper they signed uh Kova for man united right to kind of as a backup and challenge Radetzky. and ever since they signed him all of a sudden radezky is playing well Right. So I don't know where this is going to end. Um Maybe someone like Real Madrid is going to fire the head coach and Javi Alonso is being parachuted in or Bayern Munich fire Thomas Tuchel and they go after Javi Alonso. Right. Um And that could that could jeopardize the entire thing. But if they play like this for the rest of the season, I th- they might win the title.
1: All right, I'm I'm very excited about that because we've talked about it so
2: often. Might, 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 exactly. Might,
1: might, might, might. might. We've talked about them so often, just coming close but not quite being there, or just falling off and not really seeming. I mean, they're playing the
2: best football in Germany right now. Yeah, and it's not even it's not even close. You know, we're talking so much about Harry Kane. We're talking so much about Leipzig, who have been playing beautiful football, by the way, too. And I think Leipzig play better football right now than Dortmund and Bayern. But Leverkusen are yet another level, and they do it in Europe, they're doing it in Europe as well. Like they, they played really well midweek as well. So, uh, it, it's really hard to argue against them right now.
1: Do you see Xavi Alonso like playing a specific style, a specific system? Is he more of an like play to the opponent? Is he more play to the individual? What would you say his style is overall?
2: It's, it's you know, he's kind of married. Everything that he's learned from all these different head coaches yeah. together, right? I mean, um I think it was Jose Mourinho that made that point that he sees Javi Alonso as the next big coach because he's he's played under Pep Guardiola, he's played under Benitez, he's played under um Ancelotti, right? He's played under uh Pep Pep oh, I mentioned Pep Guardiola. He played under Jose Mourinho, of course, which is the point that Jose Mourinho tried to make, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. But like um, I think he's kind of developing his own style that I do think is actually quite close to what Pep Guardiola, mm-hmm. um, is doing, um, with Man City now, not what he did with Barcelona in the beginning, because it is this whole just playing tiki-taka, um, and possession style football is really difficult to do in Germany unless you buy a Munich, right? Um, and even then it had its, its limitations, um, but you do see a lot of the rondos. When they when they are on, on the ball, you see these triangulars, triangular plays that they that they try to do, which are typical for that sort of style, right? But I do think that he is, you know, we, we named the entire show after gegenpressing, you know, because for a long time, everyone in German football plays gegenpressing. That's why it is the highest scoring league in, in European football. Always has been, except for two seasons since the foundation of the league. Right. Um, because teams press high and they play attacking football, no one gives a damn about defending. And uh I mean these are things are true. Bundesliga teams are not great defending teams. They don't want to be. They they won, you know, we had forty two ga- we had forty two goals across nine games last week. Um, mm. you know, that's and that's what German football fans want. They don't care about defending. And I think he's trying to sort of find a balance between two, both of them. Um, we had, we have a couple of coaches right now in German football that are trying to do this a little bit. One of, one of them is, is struggling right now in was Fischer, right? At Union Berlin. The other one is Javi Alonso. And he's, of course, doing it with a much better squad. But I think there is a lot to be said about him trying to not necessarily always press, um, in this Harakiri style that the German teams are known for. And, um, I think that is a really, interesting development.
1: I didn't really realize how many different ridiculously good managers that Xavi Alonso had
2: played under, but yeah. His career is insane. He went
1: to the list (laughs) quite well. So I guess it's it's no surprise or less of a surprise that they're doing uh, just fine Leverkusen. Maybe maybe a pretty big surprise that Hoffenheim, their opponent this weekend, are doing Mm. as well as they are. Let's talk about them for a second. Uh, How much of this is just because they're managed by an American and therefore they're good? I'm, I'm assuming all of
2: it. Is Pellegrino still American? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even like doing interviews in English anymore. That's a fair question. That's a fair
1: question. Let's just talk about Hoffenheim in general then. What have you made of their start to the season?
2: Yeah, I I think I've been really impressed by them. They beat Stuttgart, right? Um, And it was actually a really, really good game between two really good sides. And uh, Stuttgart have been this um, really good story in in german football in general right because they almost went down last year um sebastian hoonis comes in has a crazy good run over the last eight games um where they, if you just take those last eight games they would have been fourth in the bundesliga and then of course he kind of you know carries that momentum into the new season and then hoffenheim you know uh, pellegrino Matarazzo comes in um Funnily enough, those two coaches kind of swap, right? Because Sebastian Hoeneß used to be at oh, Hoffenheim, yeah. and Pellegrino huh. Matarazzo used to be at Stuttgart. And now they kind of went the reverse way. Uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo has a history in Hoffenheim, right? He used to work under um, Julian Nagelsmann as an assistant. So, you know, there was a history there. I think that's also why it is such a good fit for him because it wasn't like he was being parachuted into a brand new environment. Um, and, you know, having lived in Stuttgart, Two half mine close proximity i don't think you even have to move you can literally commute every day and um so you know it was it was an easy environment to step in in a situation that he knew and maybe we because of that we shouldn't be so surprised that they have done as well right because there's a coach that comes in um i actually find this whole story that they kind of swap coaches and it worked out for both of them mm-hmm. quite interesting um. Yeah, what do you make of that do, does
1: that mean is that like further evidence that it, sometimes you just got to shake it up and like even if a manager's fine
2: you've got to change things you know look both clubs would tell you that their respective other coach was great right mm-hmm. uh, you know um, everyone in Stuttgart will tell you that Pellegrino Matarazzo was a fantastic coach for them and that they hugely respect him and that they still you know really like him um, you know, Hoffenheim, they will tell you very much the same thing. They just didn't feel the chemistry was there between him and the squad, or maybe they just needed to shake things up. Happens, happens all the time, right? Um, I mean, i give you another example. Leverkusen were very, very reluctant at the time to fire Gerardo Sione. Um, but they felt, you know, that despite him being a really good coach, it just, you know, it just wasn't working anymore between him and the players. So that doesn't, I mean, it just happens sometimes that a coach even though he's fundamentally good doesn't reach the core of the players anymore or even if he does reach those players or she you know um then maybe just the message doesn't get through anymore and that's when you know need to shake up the room a little bit um but again I think fundamentally I, I mean I said this many times in the show I always thought that Pellegrino Matarazzo is a really good coach and You know, he lasted at Stuttgart quite a long time and he did, you know, manage to keep them in the league as well. You know, we have to remember that too. Um, I think he just needed to go to a different environment. Stuttgart needed a different voice in the locker room. Um, You know, and you can tell that now under Sebastian Hoeneß, how well they have done already last year and how well they're doing this year. Um, You know, again, fundamentally, he's a good coach as well. So I think it really just comes down to that. Only because you're a really good coach, you know. Or only because the results aren't yours doesn't necessarily mean you're fundamentally a bad coach. But it is still surprising
1: to see Hoffenheim having the success they have been having, and hopefully it will yeah. continue. If it does, I'm assuming John Brooks will continue to be a part of it. He started, I think, every Bundesliga game for them this season. Mm. That is not a thing I saw coming. How good has John Brooks been for Hoffenheim?
2: I mean, I mean, they have been playing really well. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do concede quite a lot of goals, though. One of that's John Brock's fault. <laughs> uh, that's kind of my question because he is one who
1: obviously doesn't get called up to the US. I have long uh argue yeah, that but, there are other issues there aside from the way he plays Isn't defense, there always maybe always the US
2: man's national team though yeah I mean that 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 hold on. I, I can't really throw stones um yeah oh you want
1: to get into Canada you want to do this yeah, or Germany which yeah, which I mean, one you talk exactly about. that's let's what go, I'm going go. that's
2: what I was gonna get to like both <laughs> both my football federations are yeah. a hot mess. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> although although oh, at least one go. of them hired the right, right coach now. One of them um yeah the, I the, auto, yeah. No, the <laughs> auto auto, football federation fired the right coach which is also good i mean let him go to toronto anyways there <laughs> bear halter um <laughs> i i don't know i mean yeah. i i really can't tell you what happened there um i i know that um Brooks wasn't technically really signed by Hoffenheim either. You know, he's, he's there. I think I told you this story last time on, on the show that Hoffenheim have a, um, there's an agent, um, yes. yeah, Roger Wittmann, and he has a certain amount of squad positions at Hoffenheim. That, so crazy. Yeah. But I, I mean, fair enough. Brooks is one of his clients and it's, it's working out okay. Um, I think, I think we all know that. You know, fundamentally, Brox is a good Bundesliga defender. He's not a great Bundesliga defender or a great top four league defender, but he has always played comfortably in that in that sort of environment, right? So, at the end of the day, um, if you get the fundamentals right in a league where defending isn't a huge priority, anyways, which <laughs> 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 Hoffenheim nicely d- d- nice displays, yeah. then uh, I I think. You know, he's doing okay. I think this entire Hoffenheim squad um is a lot of fun to watch right now. Um they have a young German striker called Bayer, who who um I think is is a really interesting player. Um he come he came back from um Hannover on loan, Maximilian Bayer, and he has been scoring a lot of goals already. Uh was briefly at Man United. He's now at Hoffenheim as well. We don't need to talk about that. We can keep going. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a crazy guy. Yeah. He's just crazy, anyways. (laughs) Uh so he's there now. And yeah, I mean Wood is Woot is a crazy guy, but he does get goals. Um he has showed it at the highest level, right? So um
1: it's really <laughs> yeah yes for for he's he certainly
2: shown it yes you know what like <laughs> I, I I don't I think when you look at Man United uh... yeah he was not he was <laughs> not
1: the problem I wouldn't even say he was a problem for them I think there are much bigger issues I am I, really glad that he has yeah. found a place that where he seems to be. More of a priority, more comfortable, and has less chaos around him, which is a shocking thing to say about Hoffenheim, but here we are.
2: But they have so many different players up there. There's Krammerich, there's, um, Bayer, who I mentioned, there's Weichhorst, you know, there's so many different tools that they can just throw, throw into the mix. And, um, they're not really reliant on Weichhorst getting the job done. But, you know, it's, it's still nice to have a guy like that where you can just say like, Oh yeah, you're just going to play as my big number nine and, Let's go, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just fundamentally, um, Hoffmann, I, you know, I, I can't... When I look at the table now, um, the only teams that could maybe become dangerous for them are Wolfsburg and Frankfurt, were sitting right behind them. And um, Frankfurt have a €95 million Euro, um, hole burning in their pockets, right? Because they, that's what they got for Kolo Muani, and they didn't spend it yet. So expectations are that Frankfurt are going to sign a... a a very expensive number nine in 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 the winter. And they're putting they're putting themselves in a good position here where they're still kind of in the in the Europa League Champions League mix, right? Um and so if you kind of can rescue this until the in the winter break and then you sign you number nine, all of a sudden you're in a really good position. So who they could been... be dangerous for them and Wolfsburg have, have impressed me at times uh-huh. as well. Who have uh,
1: Frankfurt been linked with or who would you like to see them linked with? Well
2: they were linked to Santiago Jimenez um, but I think yeah, Santiago Jimenez has become a hundred million euro player over the last few weeks. Yeah,
1: that's only what, what's what's the the size hole they have in their pocket right 95 now? Ninety five. Yeah, so it's what's five million? <laughs> what's the difference? It's fine. Go ahead.
2: I I think they're looking to sign a guy that they can then also sell, right? Um, I mean they call a Moani deal. I had someone say to me on Twitter, "There's no way that." you know, someone will pay a hundred million euros for Santiago Jimenez. Someone paid 95 million euros for like Holomuani. Yeah. Just let that sink in. Two years older, right? Had like one good season, not even a crazy good season, had one good season and someone paid 95 million euros. That's a going rate for like, if you have a striker who's on course for 20, 25 plus goals, and you have to remember the Eredivisie currently is ranked higher by UEFA than the League, league R. So if you score 30-plus goals in the Eredivisie uh, and you're only 22 years old, you know, we're off-topic now, but I think someone, someone could pay €100 million euros for Santiago yeah. Jimenez.
1: Yeah, I mean... The, the Premier League like clubs find that in their couch cushions, so I'm, I'm sure that somebody will spend some money at some point for him. Uh, yeah. But I wouldn't mind it being Frankfurt. I feel like that would be that would be good if they could make that happen. Are there other players that you think, if Jimenez is too mm-hmm. expensive, are there players in the Bundesliga that you think could make a jump that could make a difference? whatever
2: well, they were linked to Timo Werner. I'm not sure that's the number nine that they need. Um, simply because I don't think Timo Werner is a number nine. Um, Agree. You know, yeah, he's just not. I mean, VR was the devil for Timo Werner. Uh, if you feel bad for him because he's always like just that millimeter offside that can be, that we can now detect. Right. And it's probably robbing him of 10 goals a season. Um, they've been linked to him. I just don't see it. I think that they're going to do something completely unexpected, uh, something that we don't even have on the radar yet. Um, which is going to be interesting. I think they would have signed Santiago Jimenez a year ago if they had had the money and then turned him into that €100 million Euro player themselves. Right? You know what I mean? Like Because a year ago, Santiago Jimenez had 15 goals in the Eredivisie and they would have said, we can make that 25 goals in the Bundesliga and then returning the €30 million that we paid for him into €100 million, And that's good business for us. But... Um, I'm know, su-
1: that, I'm surprised that they've been linked with Timo Werner, to be honest, because I felt like that move back to Leipzig was sort of like, okay, he's going back to where he's comfortable. That's where he's going to be for yeah. a while. Is that a sign that it hasn't gone well for him at Leipzig or that it has gone well? Uh, and now there's he's, so he's many he's players ahead of
2: him now. Huh. Um, you know, the use of Poulsen one way or another still finds his way as as the striker there. Uh, Benjamin Sesko is, is slowly but surely emerging as a, a really, really good player. Um, Louis Openda, um, a fantastic signing, right? And so, you know, these are all players that are currently ahead of him in the pecking order. And so he, the, the other thing is too, these guys are scoring goals. And uh, then you have a guy like Harvey Simmons who can play these half positions. And, um, Simmons has been, or Harvey, I think he wants to be called Harvey. Um, he's mm-hmm. been a phenomenal, phenomenal player and um made that transition way quicker than anyone thought so all of a sudden the the options that you have to play there are becoming thinner right um you know Vana didn't exactly impress either during during the summer training camp um someone like Sashko quickly quickly moved ahead of him so all of a sudden he's fighting for his, for his place. And then you look at the German national team. There's, you know, um, a certain Phil Cook now ahead of him, uh, Yusufo when he comes on scores, um, you know, there's, it's just, I think it's just getting tighter. And then I mentioned Bayer from Hoffenheim, who has a really good scoring record already too. So he's probably Nagelsmann knows Hoffenheim really well from his time there. He's probably looking at this guy and he's like, you know, he's, he's going he scored six goals in nine Bundesliga games and probably need to call him up, right? And Timo Werner is not scoring. So, um, you know, All with all that in mind, I, I don't think that's what Frankfurt is going for, especially because they have a guy like Oma Mamouche, mm-hmm. who is this kind of half striker and is actually working quite well for him for them. And, you know, why would you put someone in front of him?
1: Much more Bundesliga chat still in the can. First, a word from some sponsors. All right, and with that, let's get back to some Bundesliga. Are there other areas you think Frankfurt could or should spend that money then if they don't end up going for a striker or they don't end up spending it all on a striker?
2: I think they're definitely going to pay money for a striker. And I think they're actually going to pay a decent buck. They're not going to pay $100 100 but I I could see them spend a good 30 to $40 Because they have it, right? And they could probably turn that over. Um, and I think they, they were really, really, really heavily linked to Vahi, um, the French striker. Um, but then Kulumuani didn't get sold on time because I think Kulumuani only moved through on deadline day. And um, you know, they they simply didn't have enough time. So they said like, okay, fine, we'll we'll just sort of rescue ourselves to the winter transfer window, and then we're gonna go and sign our number nine. Which is risky, but it, it's working for them.
1: Uh Things working mostly okay for Leipzig. They do lose this weekend to Wolfsburg 1 0, mm. but they are presently uh, in fifth. Uh, is Lukeba the next big uh, defender that they'll be selling for a lot of money? Are we already at that point with him?
2: Are we already supposed to talk about the next guy that they're going to just bring in from Salzburg? I- I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I that think. seems to be the way it
2: goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I was really impressed with their transfer business. Um, The fact that they lost Soboslai, they lost Nkunku and um, uh, Guardiola, and I actually think that they're better than last year.
1: Which is is nuts. I agree with you. It's just crazy to think about what they've lost, what they've sold, and that they continue to be this good. It really is sort of a machine when you look at Leipzig and how consistently they do this.
2: Look, they do have a leg up over everyone else because they have a team in the US, they have a team in Brazil, they have a team in Salzburg. They have,
1: it's not bad. It's not bad. You know, it, just, it doesn't all, make it harder. Yeah, they have all these <laughs>
2: scouts all over the world that can identify people for them. You know, um, you know, even with with Dieter Mateschitz, the owner of Red Bull, dying, the the company is sort of ticked over to his son. Um, there's the ownership group, of course, is largely Thai, right? Um, the Mateschitz family owning uh, only only owning forty nine point nine percent of the, the Red Bull consortium, but you know they own all this other stuff in Austria as well. So they they're very very rich people, um, and the the sport teams, whether it's the soccer teams, whether it's the Formula One teams, whether it's the hockey teams, um, or all the other sports stuff they do, all makes money for them now, right? So they basically, money is no issue for them um, other than paying transfer fees because that's how UEFA can ding you. Mm. But that doesn't block you from paying a scouting department, from putting into the academy, into infrastructure and all that sort of thing. And they've done a remarkably good job of that. Um, I had a chance a couple of months ago to speak to Mario Gomez, who is now the technical director for Red Bull. He oversees all the teams, right? And he was he was talking about how they um how they are now you know how they want to really deepen the relationships between the different clubs that they have and also ensure that their scouting is just getting better and that they they always think three steps ahead, right? So when they sign Lukeba, they already know who Lu replacement is.
1: How like how do they do that though? Because like it just blows my Big mind. Scouting that they're able- networks But like, like with a player like that, you assume that they have a range of players that like, and then we'll see how they develop. And yet, I agree with you; it feels like they they identify the one at a very young age who does end up developing into that key player. Is it just putting them into a system where they're basically learning and developing at a lower level to then play that same style at a higher level? Is that the sort of the difference maker? Do you feel like for Leipzig,
2: I think it's the talent. um, It is the way they identify talent. And I they don't always get it right, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Caden Clark is a great example How of a you? player. How do you I mean he's <laughs> a great player. Yeah. I you know, I, I've I know Caden's family and they are great people, and there is no doubt that he's a talented player, but sometimes development isn't linear, right? And he's gonna I I actually still sure that Caden Clark will turn out to be a great footballer. But he did not work in that setup, right? Um, you know, Tyler Adams' development isn't always been linear either. There's other players that, you know, the same is true too. Leipzig have signed players that didn't work out right away or never worked out, right? The idea is that you minimize the risk in that. And I I think um, they do a fantastic job at this. And the way they're doing it is to have a huge scouting network. And I think what really fascinates me too is they lose people in that network and they can replace them whether it is you know all these different coaches all over german football and european football now that have a past in the light Leib- in the red bull system whether it's you know a nagelsmann um, whether it is you know you name it someone has worked in that system in one way or another and um these people leave, and they are just able to replace them because the Freund is now the sporting director at Bayern Munich. He was at Salzburg, right? Bayern Munich is like, oh, are we gonna go straight to the source, right? And they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine because you know we have Mario Gomez next. He's, he can do this. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I just I just think that is the remarkable part that they're not only doing it on the field, but they're also doing it with all the boardroom staff as well.
1: Uh, I had not seen where where Caden Clark had gone. He Minnesota. is to Yeah. Oh, is that where he is? He's not at Ventsysel anymore. Yeah, he the... is. So okay. they had
2: to loan him there. Okay. And then he's going back to Minnesota. It's Oof. so Leipzig's original plan was to loan him back to MLS, but they had to pay to loan him back to one of their own clubs because that's ah. how MLS works. Of course, so it's actually just cheaper for them to li- let him go for free. Which is, That's of strange. course, an- another one of those huge issues that you have with MLS and, you know, um, rights. and.
1: Um... Oh, are there issues? I had no idea that
2: their league no, structure was confusing. Is... No way. No, there's it. nothing going <laughs> on there. Nothing to see. <laughs> um, I do want
1: to ask you about some of the maybe clubs that aren't having the strongest of starts to the season. But we should mention Dortmund uh, and spend some time there. How important do you think that recent win in the Champions League over Newcastle could be? That feels like a game that in seasons past they would not have won. For them to get that win, it does feel significant, though it is only one game.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I actually thought that the game against Frankfurt was quite good too. Um, the fact that they managed to come back in a very, very difficult environment—one um, that one of the few environments that are probably um, more difficult than St James's Park. Um, you and I have done games in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's the loud. loudest place I've ever been. It's the loudest place. Period. Yeah, uh, it's a very very difficult place to play at. Um, you know, we saw Bayern Munich getting demolished there. Yeah. Like, yes. absolutely yep. demolished. <laughs> absolutely demolished. It's a very, very, very difficult place to go. I think Niko um, Kovac may have been sacked. I don't know if you know that or not. It, it, Frankfurt have <laughs> this ability to sack other teams' coaches. I think it, it just happens. Um, you know, they are, I, I think people underestimate how big of a club Frankfurt are in this country. They're going through a little bit of a rebuild because they lost a bunch of key players. But, you know, this stadium is, is very loud and it's very aggressive. And, um, to come back there from, you know, what was a 2 0 and three-two, and get a point is is actually very hard. There's other teams that have gone there, including Bayern Munich, that did not come back. Um, in fact, and then like ended up losing a game five-one. Right? Um, it can happen there very very quickly. And so I actually thought that was a really impressive performance. Hmm. And the thing is, too, for Dortmund right now because of Bayern have dropped points already a few times as well they're actually in a situation where, you know, they win the Classica, they will be ahead of Bayern. Um, that's not going to put them first. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because there's a certain other team sitting currently at top looking kind of on seeing what's going on with the Classica, probably rubbing their hands in glee. Um, But, you know, I think that I have been very critical of Dortmund this season throughout the season. But I do think slowly but surely that they, I think there is a plan in place under Edin Terzic and I don't think they're in it for it to play beautiful football anymore. Um, you know, which is obviously why you get so many narrow results and the performance against Newcastle is a great example of that. Although I think that they, they were a little lucky with the crossbar there. Um, having said that Dortmund had enough chances to put that game away in the first half. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really – I still struggle a little bit what to make of the Dortmund side. And I don't even classify it as a bad start anymore because they're still in striking distance of Bayern. They had, why, a, better, they had a better start this year than last year. Why,
1: why have you been critical of them? What have been the issues aside from I just don't, aspiring to play not beautiful football?
2: I mean, I have to be careful what I'm saying now because I'm there tomorrow and I don't want to get like kicked nah, out right fine. away. Don't worry but, it. it's uh, good. No one will No, But um. Do it. Come on. <laughs> Say the <I> thing. Just, <laughs> I, the, 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 the issue I had for a long time with Eden Tezic is that I'm lacking a a true plan, mm-hmm. a true playing plan. And I think it's slowly but surely starting to crystallize out for me that it, the plan is really to... Um, Eden Tezic has realized that playing, attacking, beautiful football is all good. But that also means that you might draw Stuttgart 3-3 or Mainz 2-2, and then you win, then you lose the Bundesliga title on goal difference on the final match day. And I think he's kind of sat down and said, if you want to win this, then we need to be pragmatic. And that pragmatism also means, Hey, a point in Frankfurt isn't too bad. Beating Werder Bremen one nil, that's three still still three points. Do we care if it's beautiful? No, because in the end of the day we do not want to lose the title on goal difference. Um to Bayern Munich.
1: Who are the players for Dortmund then that you feel like represent that pragmatism
2: more than expansive, beautiful attacking football? You know, like Brandt has been incredibly efficient. Uh-huh. Um he's now played over three hundred Bundesliga games, which makes me feel terribly old. <laughs> Um a huge ma- <laughs> Bundesliga games is a huge milestone. I remember when he came up through the Academy at Wolfsburg. Um you know, he does um Gregor Kobel is for me the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. I I think there's there is some issues that they have. Obviously, left back is a, is a big problem from them. Ben Zabaini is just not working out. Um, you know, there was a point last week against Frankfurt where 73% of all of Frankfurt's attacks came over, over left, over the left side, which is not a good sign, right? Um, it's of, also unfortunately the side that Giorena was playing on. Yeah. Uh, so him and Ben Zabaini, uh, just simply didn't work out in that game. Um, I think that them going and signing Niklas Phil Um, basically, just a guy who can put stick the ball in the net. Um, was was a big statement of intent. I think that um, Marco Weiss, you know, I've been critical of the fact that he still has to carry this team. Um, but you know he does, so you have to applaud that. Um, Mats Hummels has been playing his best football maybe in five or six years. Just where he's recalled to the national team and actually played well for the national team as well, right? um you guys saw that firsthand and when he came to the United States he's in phenomenal form right now and so there's still a lot of missing pieces i think they are desperate to sign an, another another left back and they need to sign a defender um if they want to be serious about this title challenge they need need to strengthen those positions and i, I think they will but um you know i think that they Te- just realized that um this isn't about making the yellow wall happy by playing beautiful football. Those times are over. Hmm. So
1: where does Gio Reyna fit into their plans? Do you I think? don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Cause he starts this weekend, comes off at halftime is often injured. I feel like probably hasn't hit the level that they would have hoped he would hit developmentally yeah. because of those injuries. Well, Marco still is still play. playing, right? There is that, so so. I, I there's mean, still time. There's still I time.
2: remember, like, was it a year or two years ago? I came on your show and I said that they had Giorena earmarked to eventually replace Marco Ayse. Mm-hmm. Do you think, right now, as things are, Giorena could replace Marco Ios? No, I on a talent not. level, yeah, but he's not putting it on the field. Mm-mm. I mean, and even on the talent level,
1: I think Joe is is, is still. Higher in his estimation of Reyna than I. I think largely because I still worry about those injuries and just that you never yeah. get that consistent run of it's form. It's the
2: same with Christian Pulisic, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and talent alone isn't enough. Why is Thomas Müller such an amazing, outstanding player? Is because until recently he was never hurt. What What makes Lionel Messi such an amazing player is because never hurt. You know, yep. until recently, until MLS, now in his, like, late 30s. Oh, no, he's picked up a knock. Yeah. Like, I remember I was 36, Like I felt like when <laughs> I played football, I couldn't walk for a week. You yep. know? <laughs> yep. So, like, fair enough. But, like, I think longevity is... Like, where would Aryan Robben rank if he wasn't hurt all the time? Yeah. Right? Man, I forget how often he was hurt. Yeah. He's just the... Well, Frank cur- Ribéry, right? Winger. Yeah. So... And I think that is, that is, we knock players for it and sometimes rightfully so, because like Iron Orban and Frankie finally got stabilized at Bayern when they changed their, their, their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, sometimes you're just unlucky. You know, I don't want to say Gio Reyna is at fault here for being hurt all the time, but, you know, lifestyle can make a difference. You see it with Christian Polizic. Is this the first year that he's truly fit?
1: It feels like it, yeah. And gotten the run of form while he was fit, yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean that is that's really really important. And I I just sense with all the noise around Giorena, um, you and I don't need to go into the details. You must. What do have you mean? Snapped. Did did something happen? I, I have no happen. idea. What you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, like there's so much noise, yeah, around this this player that um
1: actually i have a question for you about that noise it felt like the messaging at the time from dortmund was we've never had any issues we've never seen anything like this mm-hmm. this is a u.s problem do you feel like that was authentic or do you feel yeah. like that was dortmund protecting their player and protecting the value well, of that
2: obviously player? they're protecting him right okay. that's their job and that's like they would actually say that um that's their responsibility Um, There's a case right now where a young um, German U17 player, Paris Bronner, who is considered one of the biggest talents in German football, got suspended for two weeks and it didn't leak. Why? Um, This is a Borussia Dortmund. He obviously has done something pretty bad. But, you know, the club said it's our responsibility to make sure this doesn't come out because he's underage. And I think that is how Dortmund operate as a club. That, you know, when a player, even if he's at fault, um, they will still close ranks and protect protect that player. Um I I remember being in Dortmund just before this whole Gerra thing went down and everyone there just raved about the way he conducted himself there. Hmm. But you know at the same time that noise is still around the player. The family is still there, you know, the relationship to the head coach is still there. Um the this, this stuff you can't You you can't make it go away. So you know, like yes, maybe at Dortmund he is behaves wonderfully, but how do you, um, you know, how do you protect a player, or how do you um, kind of ignore this huge chunk of a player's player's life, even though while you have him at home at your club, he, he 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 behaves fine, right? Um, but yes, I was under the impression and I was told so much that at Dortmund, there were no issues. Hmm.
1: Do you foresee Dortmund having any other larger issues this season? Or do you think we'll get more sort of pragmatic, occasionally uh, aesthetically pleasing soccer? Do you think we see them in the top four at the end of the year?
2: Ooh. I think they will definitely be in the top four. Um I think this game on Saturday will tell us a lot about this team. Mm -hmm. I think if Dortmund win this game, I think I will put them down as a title challenger. If they draw it, then I think I'm going to remain and wait and see more. And if they lose it, then I'll be looking at Leverkusen and Leipzig to make it interesting.
1: That makes sense to me. Uh, I would assume that Union Berlin will not be on the top four conversations this season. You never know. No. Things could change. But right now. How far uh, off are they?
2: Let me just look at the,
1: uh, the points. Yes. The answer to that question, how far off, is yes. They are very, very, it's very, very far, far off. Far off. Yeah. They are
2: presently, what, That's 15? only 12 points to a European plus spot.
1: That feels like a lot for them right now. Yeah. Uh, what has gone wrong for Union? Because this is a team that we've talked about that many times. You want, times, the, you
2: want time. the lazy answer?
1: It was the XG. That's it? They finally no, they've, absolutely they've not, returned not, to the norm? No, okay. it's not
2: XG. It's absolute nonsense. Um, they right, didn't XG outperform- it is. We're good. We've got that
1: <laughs> answer. Let's keep-
2: no, no, please, did, please. I mean, like, Stefan made this point on the Game Pressing podcast, and it was on one of the free podcasts, so you can listen to it, um, that they didn't outperform the XG more than Bayern or Dortmund did last year. So in other words, they were just playing. This this is me working
1: out the math on that. Got it. Okay, cool. So
2: both Bayern and Dortmund outperformed their XG more than Union Berlin did. In other words, good teams usually outperform their XG. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, yeah, like they're not great. um, At the moment, they're also extremely unlucky. I've watched a lot of Union Berlin games. Um, I think they should, they should probably at least won one of those Champions League games, right? And yeah. They should probably draw, gotten a draw against Real Madrid as well. Um, you know, the way that they were playing, they didn't play pretty, but that's how Union Perlin usually play. I think it's just catching up to them. And I don't mean the XG. I think I mean, I mean the games. And the other thing that I, I think they have maybe gotten wrong is that they've signed too many players that don't necessarily fit. The ethos and the style of the club. You know, Robin Gosen comes in, German national team player. Kevin Follan comes in, German national team player. You know, um, all of a sudden, Bonucci shows up. You know, Bonucci is a work, is like a European champion winner with Italy, played for Juventus, played for Milan, you know, like he's a big, big, big name. Um, I just think the chemistry got lost. And Interestingly enough, you know, no one went and bought Geraldo Becker off them. I think that um them signing Fofana on loan, great talented player, not ready for that level of football yet. Um and selling or not selling, loaning out Jordan to Gladbach. I think that's gonna bite them in the butt. They don't have enough difference players. The difference players that they signed uh, not playing in positions where they can make differences or haven't gelled with the whole Union Berlin ethos. If you Robin Gosens, you played Champions League final last year and all of a sudden you have to play defensive football at the Alte First Array, that's a big stab, right? So I think their issue is that there's too many new parts that have brought in and it's just not gelling. And I think it's really commendable that they're doing the Freiburg thing where they're not firing the head coach, they're basically just sticking to us, Fischer, because I, I am certain that at the end of the year, there's going to be three clubs that are worse than them in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They're So they're not in Europe for a year. I don't think that's going to hurt them.
1: Why do you think uh, letting Jordan go will, will hurt them? I feel like we've been sort of down on Americans. So any opportunity to potentially talk about an American doing positive things, I will take. I think he's what do you feel weird, like went wrong? I
2: think he's kind of a player that could actually help them in a situation like that. You know, he's a big body. He holds the ball. He gives you an alternative to Kevin Behrens. Um, You know, he's not a fancy player either, but he was really effective for them at the start of the season last year. And um yeah, I think that's, that is something that they're kind of lacking right now. I think, you know, Fofana isn't, isn't a player that is willing to do the dirty work that, um, Jordan has done for them at the beginning of last year, and those are those are certain things. It's like the character is kind of lacking, right? Um, and maybe maybe they will turn it around in four or five games, but um, right now I just don't see the mix is correct, and the mix also includes guys like Jordan. You know, another guy was really good last weekend, um, uh, not during the week for the, in the book was leveling who's now playing for Stuttgart. Mm. Also, you know, was sold by Onion, so. I just think that they did too much this summer, and maybe went too big, and it ruined the chemistry.
1: Do you think, come the start of next season, uh, Brendan Aronson is still playing for Union Berlin? Do you think they make that loan permanent, or based on what you've seen so There's far? There's some do you weird feel clause like in
2: there in that contract. Um, I'm trying to remember what exactly it was. It was um, because technically didn't he become a free agent who could sign for whoever when Leeds got relegated? And they kind of loaned out a bunch of players, and when the loan is up, they sort of become free agents. There's some weird stuff going on with Leeds.
1: Okay, well, Uh, let's say he's a free agent then at the end of this season. Do you you think there's a chance he's back with Union, or do you think maybe both parties are okay with him moving on right now?
2: He has to play a lot better. Right. Fair I enough. We can all agree <laughs> that he's not been a difference maker either. I actually throw him into the same pot as Robin Gorson's and Kevin Follow, and all of a sudden there's like this big name player, and uh the expectations are that he's going to be a difference maker, and he's not been a difference maker at all.
1: Alright. Well that's an optimistic note. Uh let's <laughs> close out by talking about Mainz for a moment. Uh three points from three draws, zero mm-hmm. wins, six losses, bottom of the table, a negative fifteen goal difference. What's gone wrong for them
2: this season? Well, can we talk about one positive? Banya Kruda has been incredible to right. watch. Here is my—I was going to say—how much have you seen of him? Uh, how much do you like
1: what he brings to the table aside from the mullet? Let's talk about. Yeah. Wait. How do I say his name? Is it I Banya had it bro- Kruda?
2: Yeah. Banya. Okay. Yeah, and Thomas Müller is like all over this kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's like they changed jerseys, and then Thomas Müller did like an Instagram post on him. And I like I wrote uh, for four ops like game knows game right <laughs> like these guys like these like big players knows know what's up you see that in basketball all the time when someone is like oh yeah I, I realize you have game right and like Thomas Müller he, I think Thomas Müller sees game and recognizes also, this very quickly.
1: Uh, Gruda is also a player who uh, because he plays for Mainz and they have the kits they do I am forever going to think he is Croatian because of the the, the, checker, the checkerboard.
2: Is that who he represents? Uh, no, so he's German, okay. um, but his family is grew, uh, originally from Albania. Okay, yeah. right on. Nice. So but he's the, a German U21 national team player. With Gosh, all
1: right. So what what could he be then the difference maker if they get out of the uh, the relegation spots? Is well, he will earn them
2: a bunch of money, that's for sure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make them a bunch of money. Um, yeah you know big clubs like bayern munich are over him already um, thomas müller's all over it already you know, yeah, thomas müller knows thomas müller knows he's already on honors's phone he's like that banya kid you need to sign him Maybe i already back. got his shirt <laughs> when i retire at the end of the season that's my successor um no look i i think Mainz, i had Mainz in köln identified ahead of the season as clubs that could be in trouble hmm. And I think that's showing both those teams are in trouble. And that's also why I think Union Berlin are gonna be ultimately fine, because there is enough other teams that are worse than them. You know, whether it's Mainz, whether it's Köln, whether it's Darmstadt, whether it's Heidenheim, these teams could all be in trouble. And I think sooner or later Union Berlin's quality is gonna come through and they're gonna be fine. And I'm I'm not sure that's the same is true with Mainz at the moment.
1: Do you think Bosfensen is the the manager to turn things around, or do you think they will maybe part ways with him at, point, at some point this season?
2: I think when it becomes. Mainz are kind of similar to Freiburg, right? They do things a little bit different. They don't necessarily fire the coach. They, I mean, Jürgen Klopp got relegated with with Mines, right. Mm-hmm. right? And um, yeah, um, and I think this is also like the biggest losing record since Jürgen Klopp got relegated with them. Um, so I could see them go down with both wins and then come back up. Uh, It's really hard to say, Um, you know, but I actually thought the game against Bayern was really good, Um, which gives me some hope that they maybe do have the quality to turn it around. Well, if they do, we will certainly
1: be back to talk about it. Uh, We've (laughs) covered a few teams so far. We did not get through everybody, obviously. Are there any other uh, clubs, players, managers, you feel like we have to discuss briefly before we uh, we call the Bundesliga catch-up caught up?
2: I think the one thing that people need to keep an eye on, um, you kind of hear um, little voices here and there, and there's apparently a camera team following Thomas Müller to document what could be his last season. Hmm. Enjoy him while he's here. That's what I'm saying, because... Even if it's this is not his last year, he's not going to be around much longer. And um, you know, he's he's a player that I always love watching, um, and a personality, just a fantastic personality as well. So um, that's maybe my final thought on the show. Uh, you know, when great players are still around, enjoy them while you can because they're gone at some point.
1: Can you see a reality in which he, he goes elsewhere, either in the Bundesliga or in no. Europe or major MLS or may, maybe MLS? Or do you think it's I think
2: he's going he's to retire? OK, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires after the Euros. Is
1: Do you think he becomes a manager? Is that yeah. in the stars or is he going to be a, a horse trainer, bizarre human being for the rest? Can of his you life?
2: see Thomas Muller not being in football? Nope. There he there seems go. like a
1: guy who will try to take a year away. And then his, like, similar to Sir Alex Ferguson when he first talked about retiring and then basically his wife kicked him out the door and made him go back to work or made him, like, she was like, no, I can't have you at home mm-hmm. all day. I feel like Thomas Miller's wife will just get sick of him and make him go back to football.
2: Yeah, or, like, just become president of Bayern. One or the other. No, big deal. Either one. <laughs> He's already president of Bayern, so he there does you does kind go. of feel <laughs> that way sometimes. All right, well,
1: Manuel, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you making the time, especially having basically just landed and got to your hotel. Now you're doing interviews. Then you're going to be watching American football. Then you're going to be watching uh, football, football. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking all the time.
2: No, thanks for having me. It's it's been too long. We need to do this more. Yeah,
1: we do. We usually do a Bundesliga preview. I blame uh, the Women's World Cup for yeah. uh, existing like simultaneously with the start of all the other leagues. It did not make for an easy close to the summer, but it's great to have you back, and I look forward to to doing it again uh, in the near future. But for now, Manuel, Veith, Uh plug some things. Let people know how how they can hear more from you. Because absolutely, uh, I love, yes, I love the Gig and Pressing podcast. I will plug yeah. myself.
2: The Gegen Pressing Podcast, obviously. Um Stefan and I uh, mm-hmm. run it. We have uh other contributors, Sepp, uh who have mentioned on the show he's a regular contributor. Matt Ford, who's with the Deutsche Welle, he's a regular contributor as well. Um we had a bunch of other people help out recently. So it's becoming bigger and bigger. Um we do four shows a week, two behind the paywall two free one is one is the previous show one is the main show um the two shows behind the paywall is usually uh, a transfer show and a bonus show which during the season when we have champions League, is a champion's league recap um we yeah and then we do an article each at least at least um you know this weekend for example uh, there will be bonus content because it's a classic it's a big deal right um, but yes, Um and you can sign up for such as 6 bucks a month or $60 a year um if you want to get it. And then obviously, both Stefan and I also work for TransferMarkt full-time. So, yeah. Good oh, stuff. yeah, and, and I want to mention mm-hmm. um, because X, formerly known as Twitter, is such a peep show <laughs> that <laughs> I am slowly but surely moving everything over to Threads. So you can yeah. find me at Threads, ManuVeth. All right. I, we haven't not yet done that. I feel like it is. It's coming. Soon to
1: happen. Soon to happen yeah. for the Total Soccer Show and myself. Uh, yeah. So we'll see you over there, Manuel. We'll see you over there. But thank you again, listeners. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.